go. Coming to you live from the Business Radio X studio in Woodstock, Georgia, this is Fearless Formula with Sharon Klein. And a happy Friday, Fearless Formula Friday here at Business Radio X. Is there another kind? (laughs) No, there's not, because Fearless Formula Friday is my happy day. Uh, Welcome to Fearless Formula, where we talk about the ups and downs of the business world and offer words of wisdom for business success. I am happy to have a gentleman in my studio who is the um, owner, creator, director, president of – it's a media company here in Woodstock, but also, interestingly, in New York. Um, His name is Randy Beck. Thank you for coming in. Hi, Sharon. Hello, Randy. I appreciate you taking the time to come here because I know you've actually were in on another Business Radio X show. <laughs> You're like in demand. So I appreciate you. I, I, I cut a photo shoot short just for you. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't want to keep you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you um, for a couple of different reasons. One is I think um, it's kind of interesting, your backstory. You, you, have, uh, you had a, a business in New York, which seems like people from – Woodstock, Georgia, would almost seem as as New York as their destination. But you came from New York to here. How did you do that? It was more of a side hustle in New York. Okay. Um, because I had started doing photo and video for real estate at the companies I worked for. I really didn't like what I was getting from the photographers or anybody that I worked with up there. Really? So I kind of adopted the equipment, started doing it myself because – I've been doing this my whole life. I kind of knew what I wanted and how to get it. And so it was growing into a business. And uh, when COVID and all that mess happened, I was uh, basically looking at what to do next. Right. Um, I interviewed a few uh, E-suite type positions here and there, and they had like 800 applicants for the job, for during VP COVID? jobs during oh COVID. Gosh. It's crazy. It's, it's <laughs> lunacy in the job market. You know, the effect on, on the commercial real estate up there, which is, what I was doing. And so I, um, in the course of deciding what I wanted to do and making my pro and con list and all that, I figured, um, you know, maybe I could turn this into a career. And then as it turns out, my friend here in Woodstock was, uh, retiring. He has health problems, really could not keep working. He was going to close his doors. So I called him and I was like, you know, why don't you sell me your company? And that's what we did. I wound up buying it from him and moving down and, uh, you know, Backshot 2.0 is the new venture, right? After I moved down and kind of started making it into my own little game. So why didn't you like what they were doing when you were, when they were taking videos and photos of real estate up there? What was it that did, didn't satisfy you? U- ultimately, it was just the, the art of it, right? Real, real estate photography is kind of a unique game. And then, and I worked in, um, in the commercial world, corporate real estate. So we were building big buildings and operating big portfolios of apartment housing and multi-use buildings and land development and all that. So I was working a lot with architects and engineers and the photography that goes along in that world is very different. If you look at an MLS photo and then you look at something in, I don't know, residential design magazine, right? Night and day difference, right? Right. What I found was that architectural style photography worked really well in the real estate world really communicated more to people about what it's like to be in the space, what it looked like and felt like, and you know, what the design part of the equation not stuck just out kitchen, more. kitchen, room. It's not just standing mm-hmm. in the corner taking that big wide-angle shot, making, mm-hmm. that, that, making a closet look like a football field, right? which happens in real estate sometimes. Sure, and, sure. 
it's never a good thing, right? A buyer comes in and sees a small room after seeing something like that. Now he's mad at the agent and so forth. So there's other ways to communicate what's so about a space. And that's what I was always into. I just, and I couldn't find it nearly as often as I liked. So it clearly worked for you. You're getting into this business so far. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not jinxing anything by saying that. I'm just saying in New York, you know, you have, you were successful this way. So it made sense for you to transfer it. As as soon as I started, people were like, wow, you really made that look like something special, you know, and people responded, you know, the the art of doing this has always been towards the top of my list, you know. Were you, you know, the show's Fearless Formula, so we talk about fear a little bit. So was it daunting to come down here and start brand new with a brand new market? Terrifying. Terrifying. But you did it anyway. Yeah, which doesn't really slow me down a lot. It just makes me plan more. You know, I've, so I was a naval officer and I kind of learned how to deal with adrenaline, fear, and confusion and frustration in the past. And um, maybe maybe I have some training and resources that a lot of people don't have, right, which makes it easier. But So I can call on that, right? And so for me, um, sequence and order, right, is the antidote to fear and frustration, right? So I start, I start look, putting things in sequence and uh, imposing order on chaos and just move forward. That calms your emotions down. Yeah. That to me, that's the management challenge is just, just imposing order on the chaos. Right. And, and as you do that, everything calms down. And so now it's not a fear question. Now it's a logistics question. It's facts. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of kind of um, like you're saying, putting things in sequence, a plus B equals C, you know, it's like logical. Mm-hmm. I'm such a non-logical person. So it's, <laughs> I, I really appreciate that nugget for me to take, you know, because I, I tend to get overwhelmed with, the feelings and the logic, it all kind of shuts down for me. So thinking about it, almost switching it from right brain, brain to left brain, I can imagine that being kind of what you're talking well, about. Well, that's the imposition right there, you know, is, is it's, it's a learned skill to pull back from the emotional view and take the rational view, make that switch. Right. And then, but if you can do that, then um, because there's order there, then you can develop a plan. To you, deal with yourself, essentially. How did you learn that skill, though? Was it the military? Mainly, yeah. Um, we I did like some very know. we did some very complex things in the military. So when I when I you remember in uh, officer and a gentleman, um, he's asking them where they're all from, and the, that one guy, the little the short uh, Hispanic guy, he says Texas Tech University math major. And he was like the only two things come out of Texas is steers and queers, right? <laughs> the reason they picked. Texas Tech is because there was no ROTC at Texas Tech, right? And so it's like, there's a safe school to mention. Eventually, there was one. I was the first officer commissioned out of that ROTC. Oh, wow. Congrats. And so I went in the the Navy. I started doing the things they make you do. And I was completely, uh, you know, I'm a dirt-kicking redneck kid. I did rodeos in high school when most people were playing football. You're from Texas. You're from Texas. I'm from cotton field and oil well country, right? And – um you know, I didn't know anything. I mean, when I got to my initial training up in Rhode Island, I was claustrophobic for three weeks. I was uncomfortable, couldn't sit still for three weeks until I finally figured out it's because all the trees and I couldn't see see anything. You know, I was used to being able to see for miles. Oh, interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. Ah, so, who would have thought landscape would impact someone like that? But it makes sense. I never so, thought about that. So I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I'm, I'm this green bucket-headed ensign, you know, showing up, trying to trying to be a leader. And um, it's a very methodical plan everything on a ship is very thought out and very very structured and so for me it was i was able to take that structure and make it work for me and you know learn my way along very quickly 
you know, without having to have my, somebody hold my hand. So I guess that was the beginning of the process. And then later on, we got to be doing very complex things. The ship I was on was the first VLS equipped ship. So we were loading, we developed a way to load Tomahawk cruise missiles at sea from a barge. Extremely dangerous. First time ever. But we were able to develop what, that. What was the name of your ship? Fife. Fife. Yeah, it's a reef. It's a reef now. It was sunk in uh, in uh, 97, I wow, think. Wow, how weird, right? It decommissioned and sunk. Um, so that was one of the things that I did was develop that, that at-sea onload, right? And so logistics is a thing for me and being able to plan things and put them in sequence. So then, the, then later when I was went in the SEAL teams, that was a, an essential skill, right? Because you're dealing with subject matter experts. who They don't need to be told what to do or how to do it. All they need to be shown is what's the objective. And they're, they're spread out over the, the globe, right? So it's really a logistical challenge. So you feel like these things translated so well for you regarding business? Absolutely. Do you think yeah. people are too emotional in business? Maybe yes and maybe no, um, but what they're not is – what I see, the biggest shortcoming I see a lot of times is just the ability to put a plan in action and follow all the way through with it you know, in an expedited way, right? We, we used to say things like the, an okay plan put in practice is better than any perfect plan that you never get into, into play. Right, you're just thinking right. about it and it's so never the, been executed. So I think some of this is about being able to adjust on the fly too, but – um, ultimately, the better planner and the better you can adjust and the better you can put things in action and make them move and move yourself forward faster, I think, is a real advantage in the marketplace. Well, how different is the market? Tell me how different Woodstock, Georgia, or Atlanta is from New York. Is Are, are people's fundamentals the same? What their needs are are basically the same? It's just what you're shooting is different? I say that people pay more and get less up there. Um, everybody's in a hurry all the time. The use of time is insane up there. People schedule down to five minute increments. You know, it's crazy. Five minutes down, down here, no, down here. Nobody's in a hurry. <laughs> we need to drink our sweet tea. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a much more comfortable, uh, lifestyle. And, uh, of course we have space here. You know, we haven't ruined our cityscape here. Like, like some areas up there are, um, which is good. But are you, are you finding it's, Okay. How about this? Is it, is it, what's the most satisfying part of your job since you've been here with Beckshot? What's your, what makes you the happiest? I like to see when, when a project goes well and it changes the relationship that a business has with their clients, because I'm, I'm B2B. My job is to help you change the relationship you have with your clients. And so where you used to do advertising and everything was salesy and it was all, your, your your website was an electronic flyer, right? Right. Or bulletin board. Now it becomes an interactive uh, an interactive thing. We use video and photos in a way that, that give people a real sense of connection. And um, we communicate in ways that generate emotional impact. And so your client now is, is having an interaction with you on a personal level. This is all part of content marketing, one of the reasons that the advertising model is obsolete now. And um, – and so to watch that transformation and watch, watch people get it, watch them start nodding, watch them smile, watch those emotions hit, watch that relationship with their client change, you know, where they're generating loyalty and commitment from their customers to this a really neat thing. It's interesting that you're talking about emotion when you, when you need to not talk about emotion in terms of business, but you're trying to connect with people emotionally with your product. 
Which is must be, a, I mean, that's a skill. You have to be adept, I suppose, at being able to do both. Well, certainly in any creative field, you know, any kind of media field or anything that's got a creative aspect to it, you really got to be able to go back and forth. So do you have um, people here that are sort of a mentor of yours or do you, who are your mentors? Who are people that you look to, to kind of navigate as you said, the, the um, advertising model is different, right? So as it's changed, do you look toward any other kind of company or group that kind of gives you ideas about how to, I'm talking like social media, even being the advertising, I guess, model. I, I learn a lot from a lot of people. Right. And so like when I bought this company and went into this business, my predecessor, Michael, helped me get off off the ground, on my feet, get running the right way. Right. And things that I needed to know about operating the business and making video and doing the things that where I had not been exposed to it yet. But on a broader scale, on that marketing sense, there's people that I read or listen to um, that that make a lot of sense. I've been exposed to them from um, – I'm an MBA. I have a graduate degree. So I've been exposed to a lot of people. I do a lot of study and a lot of reading. And I've found people that, that resonate with me that I think are really on the right track for future marketing. Um, there's an architect that I listen to that um, does podcasts. And he's always talking about how to have a creative type business in a, in this modern environment. I find that very useful. Um, Who is si- he? Uh, Simon Sinek is another Simon. one. Okay. Uh, his motivational aspects of marketing, you know, on, on why and how, and how businesses either do communicate or should communicate, Mm -hmm. right. Is really groundbreaking. One of the reasons he resonates so much is because it pulled a lot of things together that people were observing over the last 20 years and um, maybe unable to explain, but he did a really good job of putting that in context for people and work enormously from the Sinek framework. What are, what are things that you think people don't understand about your industry? Or that I have a misconception about that you would like to clear up. Uh, there's an old joke in, in music about uh, how many drummers does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, none. We have machines that do that now. <laughs> no. right? So so it's like, oh, well, I have, I have a cell phone. I'll do video. Good luck with that. <laughs> you don't think it just takes me and my cell phone to – I mean, all right. So you have kick-ass equipment. I, I think you'll hit the limits of the of the – Knowledge and experience and equipment very quickly if you try that, right? Right. Well, it's not that it's bad to get started. Of course, it's not. You know, I mean, and you can do video that way. And but, what is your brand? How do you want to show up in the marketplace? You know, what type of messaging are you trying to do? There's a lot of ways to show up. The, the periodic table of marketing shows hundreds of combinations of ways to appear in the marketplace and ways to communicate to your market. So one of the big challenges is tailoring your presentation to fit that, right? It's all, it's all part of branding. You know, what is that sum total of experience that your clients receive when they deal with you? Who's your ideal client? My ideal client are people that either own businesses or run them, right? High up decision makers that are brand conscious and understand the value of broad based uh, branding. And then what they want to do is, communicate um, directly to their clients and communicate that they have shared values, shared lifestyles, shared goals. Um, so that the lifestyle of their client and the purpose of the business resonate with each other. This is pure Simon Sinek now. Sure. REI is the best example. I use this all the time. REI 
as a company lives the life that their client base lives and they have from day one they were they're an outdoor equipment maker they they started off as a group of climbers buying in bulk so they could save themselves money they were buying the things they actually used on the mountains the company was run by jim whitaker by a mountaineer who attempted to climb k2 went to everest all those you wow. know, all the big stuff and over the years um they've developed this reputation and this presence in the market where if you're an outdoors person, you know that, that you're going to get the best of its kind from REI. So number one, if you want to save time, you really don't want to do all the research, go to REI and find out what they're selling because it's the best of its kind, whatever it is. You don't have to do all that work. They've done it. It takes the them. guesswork out of it. Mm-hmm. Plus their pricing is good. They give, they give money back if you're a member, right? Based on the level of your purchases. So it's a co-op. Smart business. It's a co-op. It's, it's, Got you. it's um, that, that concept is useful for people who want to belong to something, right? Then they, they do all the things you would expect of a company in that business to do. They're involved in conservation efforts. They, their customer service is beyond anything that you'll find anywhere. Better else. than Nordstrom. Just curious. I think so. Well, that's awesome. Um, I've never, I've never shopped there. Clearly work, I don't. If you work there um, and you feel like, you know, there's a need like, okay, I want to teach people how to build, how to clean up the river and by using beaver dams, right. They will make, resources available to you to have that class and go help people do that or hold the class in the store or whatever. You can take a leave of absence to go do that. You know, the company walks the walk, right? So their, their client base knows that and they're fanatically loyal. And they, so they market correctly and effectively, you mean? Very effectively. Yeah. In coming down here and starting this company and taking over this company, what's, would you say you have something that's your biggest mistake? What's a mistake that you wish you had or been able to navigate differently? wish I'd done it five or 10 or <laughs> 20 years sooner. <laughs> All right. I was too slow. <laughs> no, you know, there's, there's divine timing. Do you agree with that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Um, right. And, and apparently uh, managed to hit divine timing this time around, which so I'm, I'm happy about that. Well, that's exciting. Um, mistake. I can name 10 in just five seconds yeah, really yeah, easily. Yeah, it's like, where do we start? I know. You know? I, char- I charged too little. I tried to do things I maybe wasn't quite ready to do. I tried to cover too many, too many market segments at first instead of specializing at first. So you would so recommend that? I would, that. So I, I would, anytime you need to get your name known you know, quickly, it's better to go deep than to go wide. Okay. That's interesting. But you know what? There's something that I do a lot, which is fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. So um, – I mean, I'm still faking it, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I I do think this, like, well, I'm going to seem like I know what I'm doing and then kind of go back and figure out how to do it before I actually officially do it. In other words, um, even starting a voiceover company, I didn't know if I would be successful doing that, but I started it. And then once I got hired, I figured out, oh, my God, now I got to go back and figure out exactly how I'm supposed to sound and all of the, I guess, all the backstory behind being a successful person. So I didn't. I don't recommend that generally speaking, but I do have an energy of, um, yeah, I'll try that. Even this radio show. Sure, I'll try it. We'll see what happens. How long have you been doing voiceover? Um, well, I started recording audiobooks in 2017. Six, so how many years is that? Six, six years? Yeah, five, and, five years, six years. Do I remember you telling me you put a booth in? Yeah, I have a booth in my garage. <laughs> that's true taking all the right steps right (laughs) yes but you know i guess what i'm asking is like would you 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 were kind of had that energy of i'm going to make 
I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to throw myself out there and see what, what sticks and what hits. You know, well, there's always a body of knowledge, right? And then there's always room for a little bit of experimentation or individual expression, right? And some of the some of the pathways are a little hidden till you get on them. So I would say it's it's not a bad idea to just get started, right? I don't know if fake it till you make it is what I the way I would describe it, but you walk the path that's laid before you and you're learning as you're going, yes. you know, and and uh, figuring out what to do, what the next best thing are. Yes. You can always backtrack a little and change a decision, you know. None, very little of this is is permanent. Right. So if you make a mistake, you can always back up and try again and do something different. Yes. Is there anything that you wish you could have known um, that you know now that you wish you could have known when you got started? Besides the don't go as wide as, you know, making your market smaller and making a name for yourself in a smaller way. I, I wish I had started studying marketing in a deeper way before I did. So I would have more knowledge, you know, more expertise in that field. Because it turns out that practically everything I do now is, is marketing based, and so I'm. So it's I'm not very just video the, filming, right? I'm very much in the marketing space, and so the art of building a campaign and, and how to, you know, what makes marketing campaigns work and what makes branding special is all stuff I'm, I learn as I go. And I, I, sh- I wish I had studied that deeper sooner. I don't know. I find that inspiring too, because um, I, you know, if I don't. If I try to get all my ducks in a row and know everything before I actually do something, generally speaking, I'm never going to be ready yeah. because I always think there's something I'm not going to be prepared the, for. The trap you fall into is that perfectionist trap, right? Like I can't, I can't move until I know every detail. It's all mapped it's like you out know me, and nailed Randy. down. It's right? like you and, know me. That's well, my I brain. A, I have a friend that way back in, uh, back in Texas. And his name, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's such a, a perfectionist that he, he, he has, he has, turned down lots of opportunities because he couldn't lay out the entire plan from the very beginning. And as a result, he doesn't, he never has done much. And it's really kind of heartbreaking to see he's a talented guy, but he just can't get off the starting mark until all the answers are in place and they never are. So how do you, how do you navigate perfectionism then? I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Me neither, by the way. I don't even look for perfection. (laughs) You look for good enough. I look for good enough. The Navy taught us day one. They said, listen, good enough is good enough. Perfect's just a pain. Perfect's a pain. And they said, if the minimum wouldn't be the minimum, if it wasn't good enough, you know, it's like, okay. So I don't, I don't like that mindset, but, but there's a useful lesson there, which is get going. Just do right. good enough. Get, get going. You'll, you'll improve as you go. Truth. Truth. Well, so what do you think is, has been the biggest challenge for you? Um, besides, I know that you had mentioned not knowing exactly marketing as well as you know now. But is it the biggest challenge is, is becoming is, uh, starting a business where you don't really have a huge network like you would have in New York? What, what was, what's been the biggest challenge for you? I didn't find I just so this business has a huge component of networking. It's a it's a creative business, right? People don't really know what they're going to get till the end. It's interesting. So they have, have you, to trust you. I was going to say you probably have to show them things, yeah. try to make them see things that aren't tangible right, yet right. And or we visual, use examples and descript, you know. So they have to trust you, right? And so that means a lot of personal contact. So it's a long sales process mm-hmm. and it's all all based on referral on who who knows you nobody nobody orders this stuff off the web by remote control right it just doesn't work so i kind of knew that that networking was going to be a huge part of this one coming in and i just planned to do it that way so you do Um, you do networking yeah a lot what are some of your networking events that you go to uh woodstock business club Mm -hmm. shout out to the woodstock business club hi darren hi john (laughs) um why pal young professionals Mm -hmm. of woodstock 
I do power core. I go to some architecture and commercial real estate oriented groups in Atlanta. Um, things like that. How, how do you market yourself besides networking? Do you, do you do any kind of advertising? I do social media work, social media advertising. How big is this? Cause I talk about social media with every person. So now we're going into, you know, what I do, right. Which is content marketing. Right. And, right. And so the presentation I give all the time is that, um, marketing changed used to be an advertising model. So you, you had, you had three basic channels of, of reaching out to people. You had print, you had radio, audio broadcast, and you had TV broadcast. Right. And, um, there's a few others like billboards and stuff like that. But I mean, essentially it was, it was broadcast, it was radio or, or it was print. And so what you would do is um, competition was fierce for that space. It's very expensive and it, and it's necessarily generic. Okay. So you would develop a slogan, you develop a product, you develop a message okay. and you you make your ad a little bit in the blind ad agencies were all about coming up with a creative way to put out what you were saying. And then you and then you walk out there on a street corner with a megaphone and you shout it to the world, <laughs> right? And everybody that goes by, you're hoping it resonates with some of them, right? And every industry, every type of marketing had its own measures of Their R- analytics. ROI and yes. know, how many people are going to respond, right? So along comes the internet revolution and we get bandwidth and we get social media and we get things like YouTube. And so now you can host high-resolution images – and video and blog posts and all there are all these ways to communicate directly to somebody if they can find it. And so by pushing out what you're doing on social media and on, and you got social, you got search engines with SEO and all this stuff that they can search out what they want. So now the job is not to shout your megaphone to everybody. The job is give your primary client something to find, mm-hmm. right? In, Cause they're looking for what matters to them. So you give it to them to find. So that's all about story that's all about communication. It's all about shared values. They're looking – Simon Sinek, again, um, mentioned that people are now choosing companies based on, you know, do they think like me? So if you can do that, you can give them the information to show that the way you're thinking and the way they're thinking have a match, then they like you. Right? And, they, and they're doing all the work. They're finding you. So your job now is putting out good content that, that illustrates that. So this is all a social media – primarily a social media function on various different channels. And, and there's a, a lot of ways to do it, but um, this is where that periodic table I was mentioning comes from, right? Is how do you want to show up? What's, what's the format? You can't be good at everything. So you pick a few ways that you know you can be good at to put that information out there that for people to find. And then that's what you roll with. That's a, that's a big sea change in the marketing world. Well, if you're just joining us, um, I am speaking with Randall Beck of Beck. Beck Shot, it's a media company here in Woodstock, also Long Island. How do you manage Long Island? So have a snowbird house up there. That, <gasps> nice. It's a production facility, right? Yeah, got keep, you. Keep some gear there, keep some equipment. I can travel back and forth. And so if I need to do some work up there, I can base out of that. That's so and, nice. And um, I have uh, basically the company fits into my grip truck. So it's a complete inventory of all the gear I need. Uh, a minimalist movie set, essentially lights, reflectors, cameras, drones, it's all there. And so I can carry that with me either location or anywhere on the road to any location I want to be in and work in a complete, in a complete way. So nice. And so there's a facility there where mm-hmm. I can sleep, eat and, uh, and hang out and do the work well, as well as here. You keep those 
those contacts as well up there. So that's, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I'm sure not everybody has that. So it's kind of cool that you've got two different places. Yeah. And, and, and I could do that in Texas too. I, I haven't been, but I can. Um, you know, Take that, that little place, a little place back there. So, yeah, world domination. <laughs> Pinky, same thing we do every day, Pinky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about content and the quality of content. What do you think of the quality of content that is out there now that people are using? I mean, we, we talked briefly before, yeah. you know, the, the, the show started about how people use their phones for everything. I mean, it's true. I could potentially do a little bit of videoing for myself, but there's a huge limit to what my phone can do. There is. But it's not just But if quality. that fits your brand, then, it, you know, it can work, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like it's a useless tool. It's just got its limitations. It's not a professional marketing tool. Right. But there's plenty of guys that use their hammer and their saw and they build their doghouse, right? And so – and their dog is fine in their doghouse. So there's a lot of ways to show up in the market. Basically, it boils down to what is your brand, right? And if, if your brand is kind of DIY, um, you know, cheap and cheerful, hey – Endless, cheap and cheerful. <laughs> endless social, cell phone updates, right? Every day I'm going to get on that cell phone. I'm going to tell you something interesting. Well, that can work, right? It does work, and then there's, right. And then there's other industry. But look, there's a lot of industry that, that understand the idea about visuals, right? There's a reason that, that they spend so much money on visual branding, right? On high-quality imagery and video is because that conveys something, you know, about, about their product, about mm-hmm. their brand, and it conveys something to their Client, right, so you have to kind of choose where in this spectrum you want to fall. Um, I do a lot of work with like real estate people, and real estate people um, they need to be both quick and current with information, and they need some really high quality material that really sets them up as a as a local expert in their field. Right, so one of my clients does quarterly series of video content that's produced. Right, we do very high quality uh, work that, that basically. Illuminates topics of interest to his market, to his sellers and his buyers. And then in between those times, he'll jump on the cell phone and be like, mm-hmm. here's something that just happened that you might be interested in. Right? Pl- plenty so there's that. a mix of this legacy content and this casual content, and it, it's very effective that way. It keeps him f- top of mind to all of the people that are interested in working with him. So someone who would be interested in getting into this industry, do you have some words of wisdom for them? Don't. <laughs> I've, got, I've got it all locked up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't compete with Randy Matt. Go to a different market. You can't compete. <laughs> oh, good lord! <laughs> I, my my best advice would would literally be um, to take business courses. I mean, look, it's it's easy to learn the cameras. It's easy to learn the drones. It, that's me- mechanical, right? It's machinery. I was having this conversation this morning with somebody. It, it's easy to learn the the tools. What's hard to learn is judgment, messaging, impact, the emotional qualities that you're looking for. What a business is need. What's the business billing cycle? How does it work? What is what does a business need to do in the marketplace to to make it to set itself apart? Right. Those are things that the more you can know about that, the better you can be at that. The more value you're going to deliver to your client, as opposed to their nephew who went out with his drone and captured some content, and now he's going to try to stitch it together to a story. Right. That's that's kind of random. Right. And business messaging, is, at the very least, is not random. So take some business courses mm-hmm. to understand the backside of it's not only your own business, but the businesses you're looking to impact. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I would recommend that. And then, and then at the, at the early stage, specialize in a market so that you get very familiar with it, right? You can, you can work deep. You can become a, a subject matter expert for your chosen clientele. You can branch off from that easily, but if you're trying to work in every direction at once, all at once, that's a, a lower strategy of success. 
What's a project you're working on right now? I know you had mentioned real estate that you've got something you do quarterly, but I know you've done other things and I know you're working specifically with someone who rides motorcycles, which is exciting. I'm doing a documentary on uh, John's John Clunan's comeback from uh, from his he used to be a racer, at least semi-pro or professional uh, sponsored racer and he had a series of I don't want to give away too much of the story, but he had a series of health and life challenges that took him off the track for 15 years. And then this past year, he made a comeback to racing. Um, so our film is, you know, racing as a metaphor for life, right? Oh, how original. It <laughs> uh, seems like a lot of people do that. But it, it's a it's a real unique story that I, I really, when I heard him tell it, it resonated with me. And I, I said, let's do this little film about you. And um, so not to give away the end, but we've tracked his progress through this season now and uh, and how he's doing in his first season back in 15 years. Well, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, that's, I think the goal, like anything that I'm doing, I'm trying to have fun with it, which is, this is very fun for me, but I just mean being able to follow someone else's sort of own hero journey is fun, you know, and yeah. it's inspiring for your own self, I think. Inspiration is where you find it, right? It's all around, heroes are all around us. All you have to do is be open to the idea and looking for them. I don't always look, I just think about myself all the time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Now, I'm kidding. I know you a little bit. I know that's not true. <laughs> Not entirely true. Well, okay, mostly not. Most, it might, it might not be true. true. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me a little out there. That was really nice. <laughs> well, if anyone wanted to find you and are interested in kind of working with you, what would be the best way? Um, my website is beckshot.com. Beckshot. And I'm on Facebook as Beckshot. And, and on Instagram as Beckshot Media. And uh, those are the best ways. Well, I can't thank you enough for There's, spending some time with us. I mean, I, I know that you've been here a good bit, so it feels really nice that you took more time out of your week in filming to at least give me some tidbits of information that it's like when whenever I've chatted with you in the past, I haven't really been able to kind of hone in on your story. And I that's kind of what I love about Business Radio X is like, this is an opportunity for us to even kind of know each other better. But, but for you to be able to explain a backstory um, that someone may not know. I feel like that's everybody's got their backstory. And when you understand someone's backstory and their journey, it's almost like you become like you want to root for them a little bit. You know, well, my, my career story is a long one of uh, error, miscalculation and frustration until all of a sudden you find something that could actually work. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably most people. <laughs> Listen, that's very inspiring for anyone who's listening. Who's like, yes, that's me. <laughs> but I do think that's most people, you know, nobody's, career path seems to go in a straight line. No one that I've spoken to has been like A, P, A plus B equals C. What do they say? Plans are what we make while God laughs. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just rolling with it too. No, but how, how fun and how inspiring and exciting for you to see how well you'll do as time goes on. And you, you've even got another venture you're about to start in radio, right? Do you want to talk about that at all? Well, here on business at radio X, um, some of my real estate partners and I have been uh, putting a show together that we may be we may be going ahead with um, sort of an interview style, a Joe Rogan style, you know, interview based um, podcast, if you will, broadcast for um, for local community leaders, business leaders, and stuff. Where we're going to we're going to talk. It's a little more about thought leadership, not strictly business. It's more about um, community and business, and um, you know, ways for people to talk about their causes and what's important to them, as well as just you know what they do. Well, I love that because when you understand someone's thought process behind why they're putting a building where they're putting or why this road is changing or why this initiative is happening, it's exciting to 
it, it's almost it, your emotions get involved in it because you can understand yeah. why, as opposed to being annoyed that this change is happening. But there's real thought behind what's coming. And, and a lot of times I don't even know, you know, it'll just be, oh, I see that now there's construction here or there's a decision that's been made. Right. But it's I think that's awesome because it can it can get people to understand be, the thought behind. It's not an inconvenience to your life. It actually has a real big purpose. Right. And uh, we, we want to talk deal with um, topics that that resonate with people like lately, you know, interest rates in the real estate market in Atlanta is, is all of this rage. Right. It's all of the story. So uh, Robert and Stacy both were in here um, earlier this week, and we were we spent quite a bit of time on the outlook and and you know how people can navigate the interest rate changes and what's going on, and how to make the best decisions right now, what it looks like going, looking out six months, that sort of thing, because those are those are topics that hit, hit us all. You know, yes. whether we're homeowners or renters or whatever, living True. in our community, those things affect us every day. Okay. And there's 150 thousand people a year moving into the Atlanta. Area hundred fifty thousand a year. Yeah. I didn't know that. Statistic. That's why the housing is so in short supply and prices have been running up. And you know it's hard to hard to build new housing fast enough for an for an in migration like that. And then with the interest rate going the way it's going, it makes it even a smaller market that can even afford to buy a home. I imagine. Well, it's like bonds, right? If the interest rates go up, prices have to go down uh, for a for a fixed level of income or or. I guess we should say for a fixed level of buying power. Mm. And so prices and interest rates are interlocked like that. Mm. But then there's also the supply equation. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's very low supply of housing right now. They can't build it fast enough. So even though prices try to come down based on interest rates, they're being pushed up by demand and mm-hmm. by lack of new housing. So it's very complex. Well, it is. Um, well, I have spoken to a couple different um, realtors and it's been a fascinating conversation each time because they all have different I mean, they're dealing with the same things, but their personalities and how they manage these challenges are can be vastly different. But at the same time, the goal is the same for everyone to be able to sell their house well, make mm-hmm. profit, and for your buyer to not have to spend an exorbitant amount. So, it'll, so, the, so those personalities and those different kind of methods of dealing with things is is basically what I mean when I say, how are we going to show up in our marketplace, right? What is their what is their plan that that will either will work or that they hope will work, right? It's not not the same as mine would be or yours would be, right? But everybody has to find the, the key that unlocks the way forward. Wow. Randy Beck, thank you for coming in. Of Beckshot, thank you for coming into the studio today. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, this is Sharon Klein with Fearless Formula, reminding you that with knowledge, knowledge and understanding, we can all have our own fearless formula. Have a great day. Thanks, Randy. Thanks. Thanks.